0: Hi, I'm Brittany Hoffman. And I'm Juliana Vasquez-Keating. Welcome to Shifting Ears. This is the Valley Metro internal podcast talking all things transit, transportation, and everything you need to know about the agency behind the scenes and some upfront stuff you may not know about. We're keeping to the theme here on this episode of Shifting Ears, and we are getting to talk to two new people up in the C-suite. Are you excited, Juliana? I'm so excited because as a new employee as well, I was
1: so happy to get to know two members of our C-suite. We're thrilled to have them on our team because they bring such extensive backgrounds in transit and have such a robust knowledge of the transit
0: industry. And they are coming with plans for our system. As you mentioned, Juliana, they are a wealth of knowledge that I am ready to dive into. So without further ado, here they are.
2: Hi there, Mike Powell, Chief Transportation Officer, Valley Metro.
3: Hello, my name is Darren Curry, and I'm the Chief Maintenance Officer.
1: Why did you choose to join Valley Metro? You both have an extensive history in the transit industry, so how has your previous experience prepared you for your role here at Valley Metro?
2: Phoenix is the fifth largest growing city in the United States. A lot of things happening here. A lot of businesses are relocating here. It's where it's all happening, and it's an exciting time to be here. They just hit 5 million residents in the greater Phoenix metropolitan area. I believe I'm the 5 millionth resident when I moved here in May, uh, just saying. It's a comparison to New York City Transit, where I came from, which is a legacy system, which was built probably 100 plus years ago. This is a relatively young and new system. And there's so many opportunities to engineer it in a positive way going forward that's going to really allow us to do the changes I wish I could have did in New York with some of the systems we have there and really make it a great, efficient and well-run system. Really exciting opportunity. I plan on retiring here one day, a long, 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 long time from now, but it's going to be nice to be part of that process that designs the system I'll be using when I do retire. Coming from New York, which operates the largest transit system in probably North America, if not the American continent, south and north. It's given me a lot of experience, especially on the bus side. That's where I grew up in the bus arena in New York City. And I see a lot of opportunities here now. We're going through some great challenges, trying to get a, optimize our schedules and get more efficiencies out of it, utilizing some experimental tools, working very close with Carol's group in service planning and Joseph Gregory and Morgan Industry they have a great team over there. Really looking forward to redesigning schedules and giving the operators a fair chance to make it. I've done that in New York utilizing state-of-the-art tools like APC, passenger counters, and really good online instant live assessment of the system and good research abilities. So bringing that here, I'll be able to do my part on the transportation end to make it a system achievable of reaching on-time performance in the nineties versus today we're, we're, short of that. And uh, on the rail side, I had most of my exposure there at Metro Transit before I joined Valley Metro. And that was in Minneapolis, St. Paul, Minnesota, or as we call it, Minnesota. <laughs> so it was one extreme to the other from 30 below every day to 120 here, whatever it is. So <laughs> they're also going through expansion projects over there and they've hit some snags and uh, a couple of years and a couple of hundred million behind in budget. So lessons learned, valuable lessons from there. I could, at least from my transportation lens, try to avoid those issues and work closely with Trevor's group and construction and design to really at least make sure that things we're gonna need in the future aren't value engineered out. And that's the beauty of being in this young system. It's growing and we have opportunities to implement all the latest technology and make it into something amazing.
1: We're happy to have your wealth of knowledge, and we love that we are 15 years young here (laughs) with our
0: rail system, too.
2: We're adolescent teenagers. (laughs) Exactly. Yes.
0: All of this is so exciting to hear, Mike, but your vehicles aren't going to run without someone heading the maintenance department who's going to make sure everything is operating smoothly, right, Darren?
3: You are correct.
0: So, Darren, tell us how your background has got you to this point where you're joining Valley Metro and what you look to do in the future.
3: So I started in St. Louis Metro in nineteen eighty seven. And I actually started as a mechanic, worked my way up to different levels. In nineteen ninety-nine, I become the youngest superintendent that St. Louis Metro had and Prior to taking that position, I actually also enlisted in the Navy Seabees in 92. So I ran a parallel career with the Navy Seabees. And for those that don't know, it's a construction battalion. So along with that, and then as I moved up through different levels at St. Louis Metro, eventually to the position that I actually identical to the one I now hold here, it really prepared me. The thing with St. Louis, which has a great system, but unfortunately, St. Louis didn't reinvest early on when it was a teenager, and I remember thinking to myself, I wish I would have been in charge when it was 15 years old. So St. Louis really focused on providing service and the expansions. However, by the time I left, St. Louis was 30 years old, and so really missed the opportunity to reinvest back into the infrastructure. So as luck would have it, I had a do-over. Now I have an opportunity to do the things I wish I could have done in St. Louis. In addition, this area truly embraces public transportation and is willing to fund public transportation. So Valley Metro is prime to be reinvested in. And so it was, quite frankly, an opportunity I just could not let go. And so, one of the things I had said in my interview, I can tell you what Valley Metro looks like in 15 years if we don't reinvest. So, in a weird sense, I feel like I have a crystal ball. I know exactly how this ends up. And so now I have an opportunity to really affect the change.
0: What are your top three goals for your position?
3: So, the first for sure is really developing a high performance team that will allow us to put in different programs that are sustainable, provide a balanced operating budget, and short and long range capital reinvestments. So if I had to pick three, I'm gonna start off with the team, developing the team, certainly succession planning. So long after I'm gone, my goal is for this to be able to continue well off into the future.
0: Mike, don't steal his answers.
2: What are your top three goals? Um, a whole different farm. My goals, more so, of the uh, customer experience. OTP, improving the on-time performance for both rail and bus, and of course, assuring our operations of power transit. We're about to expand in some really uncharted territory with micro transit and we ride. The van pool is changing. There's so many things happening, but it's all about trips. That's what we sell. That's our product in the transit system. We sell clean, efficient quality on-time safe trips. So making sure that the customers and the people who work for us and internally need to get to where they got to go on time and that the train or the bus or the accessible transit vehicle shows up on time and get somewhere they want to go safely and without breaking down. That's my partner that just answered before me to, (laughs) to deal with that. Making sure that we provide not just a safe, reliable, efficient service, but the best customer experience possible I know there's things on apps I've seen in other systems that'll have the amount of customers that are on the bus or the train. So you could say, hey, you know what, I'll let this one go and I'm going to go get a cup of coffee or whatever. But we have the baby steps or a foundation for that technology, but really rolling that out and experimenting with it and seeing if we could implement that at a reasonable cost, I think it'll enhance the customer experience. It's about one of my greatest challenges aside from DOTP is Winning back the riders, right? Because we're probably, what, it maybe 58% of pre-pandemic ridership, give or take a few points. So how do we get people to come back to the system? How do we make it a welcoming, friendly, and take advantage of those technological opportunities to really make it something that, hey, this is a great option? In addition to that, the customer experience and the technology, there's opportunities like on some of our slowest or not optimal performing routes to implement maybe BRT services, working with planning departments. The first question I had was, why isn't the 72 a BRT route? It's one of our longest routes, right? And someone said, hey, someone brought that up like 20 years ago, but something happened that the cities didn't want it. Well, Darren and I come from the school of we don't take no for an answer and we don't like to be told that's the way it was always done. And we will try and find ways to make the case and sell that plan in conjunction with our planning partners to the cities and hopefully get that ball rolling. So some of the other major goals that I have is internally with the team, making sure that we're setting up for success. Succession planning is a big part of every organization. Nowadays, we're experiencing nationwide a shortage of qualified workforce and setting up our agencies So when, as our senior managers and employees get promoted or retire, that we have people who could jump into that seat and from day one and have experience and they have the exposure so they could be successful. Otherwise, you know, the organization pretty much grinds to a halt and things get lost and processes don't happen. And it winds up rolling down to our performance as a whole. So those are my main goals here. I really want to motivate the team, inspire the team. I see so many opportunities with the contractor. We started already doing periodic safety concern meetings where we have an open town hall and They give us things to do, and we got most of those things knocked out on the punch list. And it really makes, even though they're not our direct employees, but the contracting employees feel like they're part of the team and that their contributions and their concerns are listened to and they're addressed. And that builds a stronger team overall. And happier workforce will be a more productive workforce. So I try and spread a little of that sunshine whenever I can.
1: Yeah, we both love that you're bringing Visions for the Future to Valley Metro, We are open to any ideas that you think will make our services run better, very customer focused. So that brings me to my next question. Both of you have critical roles in ensuring that Valley Metro runs efficiently. How do you envision your collaboration between your respective departments? One really can't work without the other. So how will you guys work together?
3: Well, let me start. I'll
2: get the last word that way.
3: Exactly. (laughs) So, with our roles, it is clear that maintenance truly supports the operation side. And so, a key element for operations to become more efficient requires that maintenance can provide safe, reliable, and assets that are already available. If our equipment is breaking down, then it affects Mike's on time performance. If we don't have the available fleet, then again, that is going to affect Mike's ability to provide you know, the customer service that we all desire. The two groups complement each other, and in some case, operations has to help us so we can help them. So we're really still joined together. We're still under the operations umbrella, only now it's the two-headed monster instead of one.
2: And to expand on that a little more, for example, Darren and I are here a few months, but we working at the hip with the safety issues that we experienced a little spike in accidents and working together, exploring ideas and ways, redesigning system elements, just things, maintenance and transportation working together to reduce the spike in accidents. Because, you know, if I can get the training department or have that tuned up a little bit and more practical, it'll reduce accidents, it'll reduce the expense it creates for the maintenance department to repair those cosmetic damages and sometimes more mechanical damages, and which also affects fleet availability, which affects Darren directly. So our roles definitely complement each other. We support maintenance in a way also. Like, again, if our operators aren't trained properly and they go out and take a train out of service and bring it back to the barn, it's an expense and it's a delay to service. And by training the operators how to troubleshoot and avoid unnecessarily removing a train from service or misinterpreting a trouble light as a defect light, it saves Darren's department labor, time and effort as well. So our roles have key parts to play to make sure we have a mutual success. And we just collaborated today on what to have for lunch. So we do that on a regular basis as well. So there's a lot of collaboration going and pretty much people say, because we're so new here, we're going meeting to meeting and they say, where's one, there's the other, right? But It's been great. We got off to a great start. We're like peanut butter and jelly, and we really understand the issues on the same bandwidth and wavelength in a lot of ways. And where I'm short and I don't understand something in maintenance, he's able to interject that and explain it to me because he has the extensive experience in St. Louis with both maintenance and transportation as well. So I really appreciate that.
0: So who's peanut butter and who's jelly? (laughs)
3: Well, to to protect our relationship, I think we'll leave that one alone for now.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I'll digress.
0: (laughs) Well, on the topic not of work, you both are obviously new to the Valley. So what are some interesting things that you like about Arizona, your favorite thing to do so far? How are you acclimating? Welcome to the hottest summer ever in Phoenix, Arizona.
3: I'll tell you, one of the things I noticed when I come in for my interview was how clean the city looked. That even at night, there are people moving around. I know everyone in Arizona is feeling, you know, the increase in crime and different things. But I'm telling you, from where I'm coming from and where Mike came from, oh no, this is paradise. You could actually walk down the street or sit outside and have a meal. I'm not used to that. Nor am I used to this 118, 119 degrees. But everyone promises me that, you know, i love the fall, so we'll see. I'm from the Midwest. I'm used to a lot of grass, which, by the way, I do miss. But, I mean, there's so many things here that I haven't seen. Although I did deploy in 2007 and 2008, but I wasn't sightseeing, and I couldn't go around and explore. My wife and I, when we get a break from still trying to move in, we're really exploring and seeing the sights you know, here in this area.
0: Well, that's exciting because we have lots of transportation options for you to move around the city. (laughs) Mike, what are you looking forward to doing or love about Arizona?
2: When I left New York before I came here, I... Worked in Minnesota for a year, and they had their third snowiest winter on record. So to come from that extreme to this extreme, I'd rather be on this extreme. I do love the weather. I didn't come for the rattlesnakes and the killer bees, but uh, <laughs> but if that's the biggest problem, that's not a bad problem to have, right? I love the layout of the city. I deliberately moved into downtown. I live right off the alignment of the rail mm. system. I have two intersecting bus lines there. So there's plenty of days I don't even use my car when I'm off to get around. I'm close to all the events, there's so much happening downtown, great restaurants, I'm a foodie. It's just the grid is laid out really nice and there's a lot of opportunity there, you know, it's hard to get lost in Arizona. I remember Darren's first couple of days here, I said, all right, if you're looking at streets, you're on the east side. you look at at avenues, you're on the west side. And he's like, what? You know? but
1: That is true. <laughs>
2: If we can only figure out North and South is easy, but we're getting there. It is a great grid and it's great to see how the rail goes right through the heart of it. And again, I just see when I look at it, I just see the opportunities that are there for that. But I've been enjoying my time here for three months. I love being out in the sun. It's just, there's so much to offer here, so much to do. And yeah, we'll make it through the summer to have nine months of great weather to do the things I like to do in my off time. It's gonna be great. I like to bike hike and some live music. It's hard to enjoy that outdoor concert in 110. Even they cancel some shows, that sort of news, mm-hmm. but you know, when the weather gets nicer, it's gonna be great to have that really, really beautiful weather.
1: Hey, at least you're getting the worst of the year behind you. And then the winter is a beautiful time here. And if you ever miss the snow, you can just head up north. So we got all the seasons, <laughs> so you can enjoy it either way. Darren
0: Stangfoot
3: <laughs> I do not miss the snow at all.
1: Well, you'll love our winter then, because that's when we all get outside. (laughs) So besides being transit pros, you're also human. So what are some of the things you like to do outside of work? Read, run, are you a foodie?
3: Well, absolutely a foodie. Mike and I, that's our biggest event of the day, (laughs) as long as we can find time to find someplace to eat. One of the things I have to say, you know, St. Louis, the food was just phenomenal. But I'm hoping like St. Louis, unless you were from St. Louis, it's off the beaten path. It's in neighborhoods. It's in different places. You know, looking for that hole in the wall that doesn't look like you really want to walk in. It's got the best food. That's what I'm looking forward to. So my wife and I also like to do boating. In the Midwest, we were constantly on the water. So we've already explored our first lake at Lake Pleasant. And we're going to continue to look at the different lakes, trying to determine if we want to make the trip or have our boat shipped, we really like to do boning. And surprisingly, there's more water here than I had anticipated. So now I kind of wish I would have brought it when we moved. You know, again, about the exploring and seeing the different things, You know, who thought that I'd have a boat in the middle of the desert, but apparently I'm going to have to get one.
1: You have lake options out here, which is quite surprising, right?
3: (laughs)
2: Exactly. And on that note, I am a foodie. I love to try different restaurants. I got to try a a few great spots already in the short time I'm here in the downtown area, as well as expanding out into Glendale and Desert Ridge and Tempe Marketplace. Just There's so many great places to eat. And then to burn all that off, I like to go power walking, mix in a little hiking, a little running. But, you know, you have to pay the bill for eating all that good food, right? But I'm uh, looking forward to the nights of weather. As soon as the weather's cool enough, my plan is to Put my bicycle on the train and ride that last mile and here into work every day from the train and be on the system a lot more than I am now. Another thing I like to do is I play the drums. I haven't really been active in a band in a long time. I used to fill in for my son's band, but he's over there on the East Coast. When I go back and visit, sometimes we'll go into the studio and just play a little bit. But I just bought a set for my place and going to set it up and hopefully the neighbors don't want to kill me Uh, (laughs) with the noise. But I do love laying out. I miss the beach, but I do love laying out by the pool. It's just, again, have sunshine 350 days a year. It's a gift. I mean, especially growing up in New York, there's truth to that dry heat talk that everyone talks about. Oh yeah. It is a world of a difference. I went back to visit the kids in New York last month and It was 20 degrees cooler there, but it felt worse because of the humidity than 110 here. I couldn't wait to come back here. And it was 110, 115. So there really is definite truth in that whole humidity and dry heat thing that people wave their hand at you when you try and explain to them here how bad the humidity is in a city like New York. And I think in St. Louis too, right, Darren? You got it over there?
3: Oh, absolutely. In fact, I was shocked. We were somewhere and somebody's like, oh, my God, the humidity's at 40%. And I'm like. Really, this time of year, you are got 85 and 90 in St. Louis, so 40% I didn't even notice.
0: See, I would have been the person complaining, Darren. I (laughs) moved to North Carolina for one summer, and I was like, nope, this is not for me. (laughs) This humidity is not. And they're like, this is a light year. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. Back to the dry,
1: please. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's hot, but you can at least live it. You're not sweating right when you get out
0: of the shower.
2: Yes, (laughs) Mm -hmm. for sure, for sure.
0: So guys, we learned a little bit about your roles. We learned a little bit about you. Is there anything else you want to add?
3: I'm really excited to be a part of this. One of the things that truly attracted me, in addition, was a place that really wants and supports public transportation. The fact that we haven't waited too late, which of course I said earlier, there's still time and I love building a team. I mean, that's of all the things that I've accomplished, that's where I love to sit back and after we have a team and they're high functioning and watch them take on new challenges and grow and be able to make the decisions and be confident in what they're doing. That's really why I do this. It's a reset button. I get to start all over and I always wanted to have Christmas with lights in a palm tree. (laughs) And so... I finally got that. So, I mean, I don't really have a whole lot to complain about now.
0: Mike, anything you want to add?
2: So, like Darren, I grew up a transit kid riding buses and subways to school and to college. And I started out in transit from the ground up, you know, as a bus operator driving through the streets of Brooklyn and Manhattan. And I thought that driving was crazy there to experience Interstate 10, the the, the 10, as you call it here, on the West Coast, right? The 10. We don't say the on the East Coast. We just say, you know, interstate, but... Cool. Yeah, I'm learning the, uh, the lingo and the language.
0: That was a difficult language thing for me. Writing for news in North Carolina was not saying the. <laughs> it was so yeah. hard. The
2: 95. It just doesn't flow on the East Coast. I don't know. <laughs> oh. but trying to lose my New York accent at the same time, too, a little bit. But it's a great system. Growing up as a transit kid and having that experience from the ground up really, really makes me feel like a kid in a candy store with all the things we could do here, all the potential possibilities. It's just like the uncharted, you know, a lot of it's in the ground already, but there's so much more to come and there's so many ways we could make it amazing. And I can, with the growth that the city going through and the businesses that are coming here, I could just envision so much more to come in the next future years. So that's going to really... Make this from a one- to two-line system, which will happen in 2025, to even more lines to come in the near future. And like Darren said, it's great to be in a place that the community supports transit. There's a, a strong support by the member cities and the Maricopa County associations. And with that backing, you don't have to have that fight for funding all the time, which takes you away from the regular duties we have to do. That's it. One last thing is that I'm really excited about is we're piloting a few different live metric performance reporting tools, and we're doing this in conjunction with Service Planning. And you know, the vision here is to have monitors up at key locations, even at the 101 and member cities, contractors, that shows real-time live performance. You know, and how we're doing as a system. You know, transparency is everything. If we're not performing in an area, we got to own it and have a plan to fix it. So having a chance to pick that technology and being on the committee is really exciting for me. So just so grateful to be here and part of this amazing team.
3: Yeah, not only that, we're also getting ready to introduce zero emission buses and slowly transition into that. So there's a lot of exciting things just sitting right here on the horizon.
1: Well, we are happy
0: to hear about everything you guys have planned and we're so happy to have you on. I thought they were coming with a wealth of knowledge. I didn't realize this was an overflowing fountain and river and just like, I can't imagine everything they went through at all of these different agencies. From the Midwest to New York City, they have so much experience and we are excited to have them on board. Well, and I'm especially excited for Darren because he said he already made those mistakes and he's ready to fix them up here in the Valley. Don't forget to listen to all of our episodes of Shifting Ears wherever you listen to your podcast. It's easy. All you have to do is subscribe. For Valley Metro, I'm Juliana. I'm Brittany. Thanks for riding with us. We'll meet you at the next stop.
1: Shifting Ears is produced by Alex Sosos and Dane Riles. Peter Corkery is the executive producer. For Brittany Hoffman, I'm Juliana Vasquez-Keity. Thanks for listening.